We know and believe that God's word has power. And it is all of our hope and prayer today uh, that the power of God would affect real change in our hearts. And, uh, and that is why, before we go to look to God's word, we have a prayer uh, to settle our souls, to focus on what God might be speaking into our lives today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, at this time we pray that our minds would be clear to receive, that our hearts would be softened to receive your word for us today. Please speak to us, O God, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. The scripture reading this morning is from Acts chapter 16. Uh, it is the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. Acts 16 verses 1 through 15. He, the apostle Paul, came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of, of him, Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him uh, because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Semathrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her own household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. As some of you know, but many of you don't know, uh, in the fall semester, I teach Paul's, uh, I teach the book of Acts and Paul's missionary journeys 
to eighth grade Bible. I hope some of you remember this. Well, in addition to teaching that this past semester, I also personally read through the book of Acts as a part of my daily devotions. And you know how you read the Bible and certain times things stand out to you more than when you might have read them in the past. Well, this time, as I was reading through Acts and meditating upon it, specifically during Paul's second missionary journey, I was struck. I was struck with all of the different ways, the variety of ways that God guided Paul to use Paul. And how did God use Paul in this journey? Well, simply to proclaim the gospel, to preach the good news of Jesus. God used Paul to establish and grow churches, the body of Christ. And God used Paul to, to expand God's kingdom on earth, the rule of God on earth. Now, let me uh, at the outset state, outset state something obvious. I am no Apostle Paul, and you aren't either. And I'm not putting you down. That, that actually is a good thing, right? It takes a lot of pressure off of us. Uh, we are not called to establish the church in first century Rome. Nor are we called to write letters that become the Bible. Paul, obviously, was a unique person in a unique time. However, are there similarities between us and the Apostle Paul, between us and the first century Christians? Yes, there are. All of us the Bible says, all of us are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. All of us are called to be salt and light for Jesus in this world. Yes, all of us, the Bible says, every single one, kids, you too, all of us have been gifted by the Holy Spirit so that our lives are used for a blessing to the world, for a blessing to the church. To grow the church, we have been gifted by God. We have been called by God. So my prayer this morning, honestly, my prayer is that God might use his word today and, and this message to, to put within you, as you anticipate 2023, to put within you a greater excitement and a greater vision and a greater wondering in your mind how God might use me in this coming year. What, what am I going to do that God wants to do through me for his kingdom work? And so we have the title of this message this morning, God um, Using Me and Guiding Me, uh, God, or God Guiding Me and Using Me, guiding me and using me in the year 2023. Now, I really wanted to say God guiding and using us. Felt that sounded better, although us doesn't rhyme with 2023. So we use me for 2023. You, you get my point. Now, uh, 
we have a map. Do we, are the sermon slides working? Yes, no? They are. Okay. So uh, this is a map of Paul's second missionary journey. Now, Paul's first missionary journey was just in what we would call the eastern side of the country of Turkey. Uh, Paul went with Barnabas to the island of Cyprus, you see there in the Mediterranean, and he just went, uh, you see the word Galatia? He just went to the towns kind of right under that word. So it was a, a lot closer of a trip. Then, on the second missionary journey, you can see Paul went, uh, uh, revisited some of those towns from the first journey, but then traveled through what we would call today the, the, the northwestern part of Turkey, uh, into Macedonia and Greece, and then back to the land of Israel. So, uh, Paul's journey. Now, Paul started in Antioch. You see it there on the right side. Uh, when Paul started this journey, do you think he had it all planned out? Do you think, oh yeah, I got my hotel reservations and all the towns that I'm visiting and uh, we're going to stay with these people and we're going to go here, here, and here. Do you think he had it all planned out? No, he did not. I think a little bit at the start he did, but after that, after that, how did he get to these places? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in the message today. And uh, as we talk about this, I want you to think about your journey for 2023. Now, uh, your journey, uh, I know that there are some of you in here, maybe a lot of you, I don't know, that are real planners. I mean, you like to plan things out. When you go on family trips, the trip is planned. You like your to-do lists. You've got an agenda. This, this is me, okay? We got, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to some of your love language, some of you, okay? Oh, planning, I love it, okay? So we are good, us planners. This is a good thing. It is a blessing to others. However, however, as we approach this new year, we do not know. We do not know what's going to happen in this world, happen in our country, happen in our communities, in the church. We don't even know, ultimately, what's going to happen in our families, in, in our lives. There is so much that's unknown, despite the planning. Therefore, it is so important, us, important for us to look to God's Word and to see and to helpfully think a little deeper about how God, in this unknown, might guide us, and use us. Now, I'm going to go through just a few points on how God guided the Apostle Paul. In this list, I am not saying it's a comprehensive list, and I am also not saying that God will necessarily use these ways, all of these ways, in each of your lives. But he will use some of them, and maybe others as well. So, let's go on this journey together. Uh, first, God's guidance through disagreements. God's guidance through disagreements. Now, I did not read this in the Bible passage, but right at the end of chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas got into a fight. Now, the Bible says a sharp dispute. This was not a little disagreement. To put it in today's words, they were really ticked off at each other. They were kind of mad. 
They were so mad that these very close friends that had gone on the first missionary journey together, they separated. They're like, no, I'm not going with you. No, 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 we're splitting up. So awkward, just did not feel good at the start. Now, what happened through this? What happened is that because they separated, it forced Barnabas to go to Cyprus, which made sense because uh, Barnabas was from, from Cyprus. And then Paul didn't go to Cyprus. Instead, he headed north and then north and then west. So the disagreement had an effect on where Paul started the journey and it determined who Paul would travel with, meaning, or who he wouldn't travel with. It wouldn't be Barnabas. He picked up a new, uh, a new associate and his name was Silas. Now, none of us should go looking for disagreements, right? But the point is this. When you encounter relational disagreements in your life, and of course we should work towards reconciliation and peace, but when you encounter disagreements, we must not let the disagreements hinder our work for God. In fact, Almighty God can providentially work through the disagreements and your life to perhaps use you in a way that you had not anticipated. God's guidance through disagreements. Secondly, God's uh, guidance through redeemed reason. Now, I could say reason, but I'd like to say redeemed reason because uh, our reason is, is colored by God's kingdom purposes. And our reason should be uh, shaped by God's word. And yet it is still reason. It makes sense. So you see the blue line here. The first part of Paul's journey, it just made sense. Like, what should we do? Well, we should go revisit the churches that we established on the first missionary journey. Hello. And that's how God guided them in the first part of the journey. What makes sense? Also in this part, and we read about this in this section of scripture, Paul delivered a letter from Jerusalem. Now this letter and the whole church meeting that produced this letter is spelled out in Acts chapter 15. And it does not get enough attention. I won't go into all of it, but I will say this. What is the reason why our church services and our church calendar is not flavored Jewish? The reason is Acts chapter 15. And it still affects us to this day. It was a profound meeting in the early church. The early church was uh, basically deciding, okay, Jesus was Jewish. The 12 apostles are Jewish. It all started from the Jews. So we're proclaiming the message of Jesus. Now, how Jewish do the new believers in Jesus need to be? And uh, the church basically said, we need to focus on the gospel of Jesus and not uh, advancing all of the Jewishness and say, you must be Jewish too. This made sense that Paul... It was redeemed reason that Paul goes, okay, I got this letter. I need to bring this to these churches to let them know 
what the Jerusalem church has decided, and Paul was there, he was in on the meeting as well, and uh, this blessed the church. So, uh, redeemed reason. Uh, next, God's guidance through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, this gets a little interesting because it's subjective. You know, what does it mean to be just inside led by the Holy Spirit? Well, in this passage, the Bible says that Paul was traveling and they were stopped by the Spirit of Jesus, is what the text says, stopped from traveling a certain direction. Now, look at this, uh, look at this map here. Uh, you see where the blue line all of a sudden cuts north? Okay, now, logically, if they're traveling, it would have made sense to continue, to continue straight across uh, what that says is Asia there, what we would say is Turkey, to continue straight across. Why would that make sense? Because then you could see you could hit Colossae. Oh, that's, we've heard that city. Okay, that's an important city. And then... Ephesus? Are you kidding me? Ephesus is one of the biggest cities around? That would make sense. So Paul, I'm kind of thinking in his mind, he's thinking, okay, after Lystra and the Antioch, we'll just keep going right, we'll just keep going right through Colossae and Ephesus. But what does the Bible say? They were stopped by the Spirit of Jesus and all of a sudden went, went north and had to go all the way around to Troas. Then when they were at Troas, uh, Paul had a vision of a man saying, come to us in Macedonia. Now, uh, I will tell you, personally, I have never had a vision like that. Like, come, preach at Faith Church. <laughs> no, I've not had a vision like that. Have I had in my life, and it's hard to describe, have I had promptings of the Holy Spirit within me uh, directing me? And I would say yes. And again, it's, it's subjective, and it calls for great discernment. Why? Because how do you discern between your own thoughts, your own feelings, and God's thoughts and God's leading? To be honest, that can be a tricky one. But I will say that as you mature in your walk with Jesus Christ, as you're following Jesus, as you're walking in step with Jesus, as you're feeding upon his word, I believe you'll have a better ability to recognize God guiding you. Um, there, uh, there's a book... Uh, written by a CRC businessman, not a CRC pastor. Okay, a CRC businessman. Uh, this guy was uh, just going through the motions of Christianity as a young, successful, very successful businessman, but he was just going through the motions. He admits it. Yeah, he was involved in church, but just do good things and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, after a series of events that happened in his life, he was shaken to the core. And uh, so this guy has written a book called The Ten Second Rule. 
it is perhaps the best book that I have read by a CRC person, a CRC businessman of all people, that actually um, biblically and reasonably talks about this idea of the Holy Spirit leading you in, in your life. And even in small, small little ways. Um, so in this journey, the Spirit of God, in kind of a subjective way, was guiding the Apostle Paul. And I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is a very real presence of God in our lives. It is the power of God in our life. It has a transformative effect in our lives. And this Spirit of God seeks to lead us and use us in this year, 2023. Uh, next, God's guidance through faithfulness and boldness. Faithfulness and boldness. So uh, Paul and his crew, uh, at this point, they've uh, Paul and Silas have picked up Timothy, which the text said, and then they have picked up Luke. Now, the text doesn't say Luke, but we know Luke wrote Acts, and all of a sudden he goes, and we traveled. So they obviously picked up Luke and Troas, and they went to Philippi. I simply want to make the point here that in Philippi, uh, Paul went to a place of prayer. Apparently, they did not have enough Jews to fund a synagogue in this town. Um, so they went to a place of prayer and met a few people. And uh, what did Paul do? He, in faithfulness to God and with boldness, spoke about Jesus. And then what does the Bible say? Interesting. It says, the Lord opened Lydia's heart and others as well. So here's the point I want to make. Did Paul speak to some people and the Lord didn't open their hearts? Yeah. So... The point for Paul was not to get people to open their hearts. Uh, Paul's not going to do what God's, God's work. But Paul's call is to be used by God and led by God by just being a faithful Christian presence. And in this case, with boldness, telling these people about Jesus. And then let God do his work. In this year... As you seek by God's strength to be faithful, simply faithful with your responsibilities and to do those in Christ's name, to serve others in Jesus' name, and when given the opportunity with boldness speak of Jesus, God is going to be using you in 2023. So God's guidance through faithfulness. Uh, just two more here. Uh, God's guidance through suffering. God's guidance through suffering, and uh, the focus of this one is still on the city of Philippi. Uh, to shorten a longer story, a demon-possessed slave girl is bothering Paul in his ministry at Philippi. He then casts the demon out of the girl, and when she is freed, she no longer is able to make money for her master. The master took a financial hit by the healing of this girl. The, the, this girl's master apparently had some connections uh, with the city officials, and he was so upset uh, that he got Paul and Silas arrested. 
I don't know where Luke and Timothy were. Maybe they were out getting water or something. I don't know. But Paul and Silas were arrested. And not only did they put them in jail, they, you could say, tortured them. They, they whipped them. They beat them bloody on the back, threw them into jail, and they're locked up. Suffering. Then there is an earthquake. Now, if you're locked up in a jail and there's an earthquake, you're probably going to die. Earthquakes, you need to get out of the building, and you can't even get out of the building. And who cares? They're prisoners, whatever, you know, okay. Well, Paul and Silas don't die. Uh, they don't get caved in. The cells do break open. And Paul, in faithfulness and boldness, witnesses to the jailer and the jailer's entire family, and just like that, they become believers in Jesus Christ. So God used suffering in Paul's life to shift his location, to adjust who he would talk to in order to use Paul to be a witness to the jailer and the jailer's family, and who knows what their story is in the church at Philippi. Kind of interesting. Now, friends, uh, when you and I suffer, uh, we are tempted to have the cycle of why me, why me, why me. We also, it can affect us, obviously, emotionally. It can cloud our vision. Now, we need to be honest about this. Uh, this is true. This happens to us. We're human. But at the same time, um, in addition to seeking to relieve suffering, that is a good thing, in addition to seeking to relieve suffering, while you're going through the suffering, God wants you to maintain kingdom vision. How is God going to guide you and use you because of this trial in your life? And if, if the trial was not there, God couldn't have guided you and used you in this particular way, whatever that might be. So the point for us is as we go through suffering, which is an awful thing, and as we work to overcome the suffering, we must continue to think, how does God want to guide me and use me through the suffering? Is it true that God uses suffering for his kingdom purposes? Oh, oh my, yes. I mean, we see this all through the Bible, and obviously it, it, it culminates in the incarnation of Jesus being both God and man, suffering on the cross, paying the price for our sin. The gospel message is suffering and glory. Our sovereign, providential God uses suffering to accomplish his kingdom purposes. And then uh, lastly, God's guidance through road, reason, and response. Road, reason, and response. So Paul gets kicked out of Philippi. Where does he go next? Follow the road. Follow the road. So, gets kicked out of Philippi, he goes to Thessalonica. Get, gets kicked out of Thessalonica, where does he go next? Well, follow the road. Kind of hard to see up there, but the next place was Berea. Then, Paul took the road to 
Athens. Next. I uh, took the road to Athens. Um, this, quite frankly, is our everyday life. What do you do next? What do you do what's before you? You do your responsibilities. You see what's before you, and you use redeemed reason as well. This is kind of our normal life. Here's what we do next. That's what Paul did. He followed the road. Now, also with reason here, Paul specifically was establishing churches, witnessing for Jesus, and we know that Paul was a, he was a smart guy, a smart guy. Now, the books he wrote were, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but God used Paul's, Paul's brain. Uh, he knew what he was talking about. So when Paul was in Thessalonica and Berea, as he did with uh, the uh, cities in Galatia, uh, what did he do? He'd go to the synagogue, and what would he start talking about? The Old Testament. Bible says this. He would talk about the Old Testament. Paul was so smart, he could clearly articulate how the Old Testament points to the Messiah. And all of the people in there, the Jews and then the Gentile god fears they're all going, uh-huh, oh, this guy's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what does Paul do? Very, with great intellect, he then shows how the Old Testament points to the Messiah and that this Messiah is Jesus. And the Old Testament clearly points to Jesus. And all of a sudden people, whoa, what are we going to do about this? And some people fiercely rejected it. Some people just with open arms accepted it. Now, when Paul got to Athens, we have the pleasure of reading his sermon. Luke recorded it in the book of Acts. What did Paul do in his sermon in Athens? He did not talk about the Old Testament. The people he was talking to, nah, that would have meant nothing to them. So what did Paul do? Through logic, he argued toward theism, that there is one God, not the plural, plurality of gods that you see all over your... So he goes... There is one God. And then he argues, if there's one God, what is the character of that God? And then from there, he talks about Jesus. Reason. And then, uh, response. So the next map. So road, reason, and response. Uh, then he gets to Corinth. Now, friends, even the secular people of the time looked at Corinth and went, sketchy place. Okay, this, oh boy, if there's one sinful city, if there's one sin city, it's Corinth. I mean, of course, the Christians thought that, but even the non-Christians, they're like, it's, it's sketchy. So in your reason, if you thought, where would Paul stay the longest of all the cities on his journey, you would not think Corinth. You would not think that. You might even think, if there's a place God might lead Paul away from, it might be there. But what happens? What happens in Corinth? Corinth is the only city that we have uh, the length of time given to us for how long Paul stayed there. I always wonder, like, how, how long did Paul stay in this city, in this city? The Bible doesn't say. Corinth, it tells you how long Paul stayed. Paul stayed for a year and a half in Corinth. A year and a half. And why is that? Uh, Acts 8.10. God says, I have many people in this city. 
He got to Corinth, and the type of response to the gospel was different than the other cities. And so God wanted Paul to linger in Corinth because there was a response. And I don't know this year, as, as you're navigating life in 2023, be open to ways in which others might be responding to the light of Jesus in you. And uh, that is a call to invest in that ministry, to invest in that relationship, in that situation. When you see that response, we need, we need to focus on that because God is opening a door, opening a door. And then uh, the end of the journey, uh, that's the dotted line. You can see that Paul did go to Ephesus, but that was a quick stop. They even asked Paul to stay longer, and he said, no, I hopefully I'll be back. So quick stop in Ephesus. Um, then he went. Did he go down to Jerusalem or up to Jerusalem? Bible trivia question. Now, if I'm looking at this map, I would say he went down to Jerusalem. Why? Because it's in a southerly direction. But no, 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 no. In the Bible, you always go up to Jerusalem. So Paul went up to Jerusalem and finally down to Antioch, which we could kind of say that's Paul's home church. And uh, so he started in Antioch, ended in Antioch. So the, uh, the next slide simply is uh, for us, uh, and there, end in Antioch. Um, so this is just a summary of the different ways that God guided the Apostle Paul. Again, not comprehensive, and again, maybe God's not going to use you in every one of these ways. But here is the point. God does have a plan for every child, youth, and adult in this room. No matter your life situation, God wants to actually use you for his kingdom purposes. And at the outset of the year, what better time to, to consider this and to consider, am I, do I have a vision for this? And if not, pray about this. I want God to use, use me. I want God to guide me in his way, and God will, because we are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Now, when I came up with the title of the sermon and it rhymed, I thought I should close the sermon with a little rhyming poem to get across the point. Okay? So are you ready for a fine act of, of poetry from the pulpit? And that was alliteration, right? Okay. So here we go. God guiding me and using me in the year 20. 23. Will we follow God's guiding hand and on the rock of Jesus stand? Each day is a gift. Your life has a call. So live for the Lord and give it your all. May the Holy Spirit fill you, refresh and renew. So God's kingdom grows with might through you. May your journey unfold into God's grand story, and to God be all honor, power, and glory.
Amen. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we are thankful for this testimony that we see in the book of Acts, a testimony of establishing and growing the early church. And we are thankful uh, that the gates of hell have not prevailed against the church, but the church continues uh, to grow and spread throughout this world. And we are thankful and humbled, O Lord, that we, we are a part of the body of Christ, this beautiful gift to the church. And so now as we anticipate the year before us, we pray that by the power of your spirit, you would give each one of us a greater desire, a true heart's desire to be used by you in the coming year. We don't know exactly what that might all mean, but, O oh Lord, you have saved us. You have overflowed us with amazing grace. And in response to your love, may we be your faithful servants in the year ahead. We pray this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen.